Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the co-founder of the People of Shenzhou, a mission to reach Mandarin-speaking folk in the UK with the Three Angels message. Pinyo, welcome to the Upward Way. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. It's my joy having you here today. And I'm really so fascinated to learn so much about your mission, your ministry, the people of Shenzhou. Could you just give us a little taste as to what this mission is all about and maybe when we get started into all of this? Yeah, we are just a small group of passionate church members. Um, we earnestly desire to share the everlasting gospel, you know, especially the three angels' message, through a caring and supporting Mandarin-speaking community, especially here in the UK and hopefully across the world as well. Um, because what we see is that um, having lived in this country for almost 30 years as a Seventh-day Adventist, we haven't seen a Mandarin-speaking church in this country anywhere. And so... Um, Myself and Sister Lei, who is the founder of the group, she approached me during lockdown last year and said that, you know, Pin, we have always been um, talking about this, you know, starting something. And hopefully, you know, our vision is always to have a Mandarin speaking church in the UK. And um, we talked about that many, many years ago, even before our children were born. <laughs> um, so that was almost 20 years ago, but it never came to fruition and never started anything because soon after, you know, we had our own family, children came along and um, Sister Lei was busy with work. So something good came out from the lockdown, I would say, you know, so we thought this is the time and we started it over Zoom group, like a, you know, fellowship group as a care and support group initially to reach out to immediate friends and families. Sounds wonderful. So in a nutshell, your ministry started some, sometime last year, as you said, during the lockdown. And what has it been like thus far since you have started? What has the feedback been like, that is? Well, um, we initially had um, families who are also Seventh-day Adventists, especially Sister Lay's brother, who is a pastor in Australia. And um, he has his group and his family members joining us. And then, you know, that is the initial setup. And he came to share uh, testimonies. Yeah, we invite friends, uh, work colleagues, and feedback from people are very warm and welcoming group. And it's a place that people find that there's a sense of home, hearing the familiar language and, you know, people coming together, talking about God, and encouraging one another, praying for one another. And it makes people feel very comfortable and something that um, we even have a friend who worked night shift as a nurse. And when she come back from 
her, her duty on a Sabbath afternoon, she makes sure that she doesn't fall asleep or she would even set alarm clock to, to join the group. Very exciting. And I, I noticed you said at the beginning that it was out of a need, something that has been on your heart for well over 20 years. And already you could consider yourselves, I know it hasn't yet started, but as church planters, you know, people have dreams, start a church, and one day I know it will move outside of, would say, the online, and it will also have a physical building there. By God's grace. By God's grace, right. Yeah. You did mention that, you know, you have been in the UK for well over 30 years, so we could assume that you're not originally from the UK. So could you just shed a little as to, you know, your background, where it is that you're from? I come originally from uh, Malaysia, from a Chinese family, quite a traditional family. Um, <laughs> I would say that um, my family background, uh, a mixture of Taoism and Buddhism as well. And so when I came to the UK, um, I think God has been leading in my life in a miraculous way that I never know until um, I look back after I became a Christian and how and when the seeds could have been planted in the first place. And I realized that it was even way back down um, when I was in primary school, because even though my parents, especially my dad, he came directly from China to live in Malaysia, but my mom was born and raised in Malaysia. My mom and my dad had very, very different backgrounds because my mother was um, educated under the British colony time in Malaysia. And so she was raised up in the convent school. And when I was young, they sent me to a convent school. And so that's first um, when I heard of Bible stories about the stories of creation. Yeah. But, you know, hearing Bible story as like um, just another story, you know, like a children's story. Until I came to the UK and um, somebody share with me, I, I will tell you more. Yeah. Somebody share with me um, this VOP corresponding Bible study course. And that's where I learned the Adventist truth. I came to the church. You did say VOP, that's an acronym for Voice of Prophecy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You have just given us a little taste as to your faith journey. And so I'm just going to give you the opportunity now to share in a fulsome manner how it is that you came to be a Christian. So you could just walk us along that journey. Christian journey. Yes. It's very amazing because um, after I completed my studies in Malaysia, um, it's very natural that um, families, wherever parents are able and you know could afford, they will send their children to studies abroad to continue their higher education. Just because being a minority race in Malaysia, um, the opportunity for careers isn't that great. So my parents chose to send me over here to, to study. And when I came here, even though I had friends who came along with me, um, somehow, God just placed me in a hall of residence when none of my friends were staying together with me. I was left alone <laughs> in a foreign country, so to speak. And I think that is where God is slowly, you know, trying to tell me that I need not feel lonely, that I'm not alone. So he led me to a group of um, Sunday Christians. And they were, I, I would say that they're very, very sincere people. And it's through them that um, people offer me a place to, to stay for my following year of university. 
and I came to live with this Christian family who is just like um, a live-in landlord with his sister. And they started taking me to church with them on every Sunday and also going to their Friday night Bible study. And I think that's where I first had a proper Bible study. And we are studying the book of John. And that's where I slowly began to, to learn about, you know, studying the Bible. And at the fellowship group, and that's where I met um, this brother who handed me out the first lesson of the Voice of Prophecy Bible study lesson. And from there on, I got hooked. I, I just, you know, couldn't wait for the following week. I keep doing my, my studies and send it back quickly and can't wait for, for the next one to come through the post. You know, during those days, you know, you only rely on the post. It was like not internet, no Google. Sounds fascinating, those part. There are two things that you did say, that you just outlined that I want to, to I would say, piggyback on both. Just walk me a little through the whole idea of being a minority. What was, what is it like, you know, to be a minority, you said, in, in Malaysia and then also in the UK, because on both counts, you would have been a minority. What has that experience been like? I find it, the um, oppression, I think, is more in, in Malaysia because you don't get equal opportunity um, as, a, you know, as a minority, even though you might produce very good results academically, but um, the local universities still will offer different um, entry or admission criteria for a different race. See, like the, uh, the majority, the Malays, will get a more privileged, even though their grades might be not as great, but um, they will get a place secure for the university, but not people like us. And so that is quite hard, in a sense, because then we will see the minority groups um, using their own efforts to group together, uh, come together. Maybe the more well-to-do ones will offer some kind of help in scholarship or student loans or grants to help out people of our same um, ethnic background. We can really do well, but just parents couldn't afford to send them for further education overseas. Yeah, we we'll see that kind of help and support from your own people. But over here in the UK, um, I, I don't find it that bad, really, because that's why, you know, many of us come over and left the country to go to different parts of the world, because you find that this is where, you know, you can use your own, um, somebody can recognize you for who you are, really, for what you, your capabilities. In other words, you could say it's more like a level playing field where you're... Of course, of course. Thank you for that insight or those insights. The experience you had where you went to that Bible study and this person gave you the first lesson of the VOP, Voice of Prophecy. There are many persons of faith who are a little, you know, shy, they are a little timid, they are wondering, you know, will the person open up? But in your case, this gentleman apparently did not have any doubt in, in his mind. So what would you say to persons who would like to share the faith, but they are a little bit hesitant because... Maybe they are afraid of rejection. What would be your you know, advice to those individuals? I think I myself used to be like that. But once you think that, you know, it is not me who is doing it, but it is God who is doing it, then you find it a lot more easier. Even when you go out and giving out, you know, distributing leaflets and magazines, we go in the name of the Lord. The person is not going to see you for who you are. It's the spirit that will lead and guide the person's heart. That is all that matters. 
you know. So I just leave it to the Lord. Whatever it is, you know, it is God who knows. And pray that God will lead you to the right person that he wants you to reach to. That's the only thing that we can do. A very simple yet succinct answer. It is well loaded. As you said, it's just leave it to the Spirit of God to do the leading. God speaks to us all in his own unique way, in his own time. Based on your own experience, how would you say God most often speaks to you in terms of what method does he often use whenever he communicates with you? Um, Bible text, for one, is one way that I really like, um, you know, when we come to whether it's reading it in your quiet time or um, Bible text that just somebody would maybe send to you or, you know, um, it could be a song for myself, a hymn, some words sometimes really touch me. And um, another way is also um, through situation, things happening, circumstances that I don't really, you know, you don't really expect at the time. So, you know, maybe when you pray and God just, just put a thought into your mind or bring someone to you and at that point say something to you. Or it could be a sermon. Sometimes when you listen to a sermon, you really think that that message is really very timely and for me at the right time, just suited for my situation. That's just what I, exactly what I need. You know, then at that moment, just thank you, God. How do you know that I really needed this? I needed to hear this. I really enjoy your answers, you know, there are some individuals, they tend to have this one-dimensional way. So if it's not via dream, if it's not via sermon, they won't listen. But you are saying God speaks in so many different ways, through songs, you know, through music. For me, it's similar in my case. You know, there's really no one way in which God speaks to me. Is it difficult for you to be a Christian or is it easy? Very good question. You know, um, I ponder upon this question and I think that Yes, initially, I would say that the beginning journey is not easy, but it's once you step out in faith for that first step and make that decision and be fully determined in your heart to follow Christ. And then, you know, things will become easier. Because if I think back now, I think it would be much harder um, being a non-Christian sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So it's not easy becoming a Christian and or being a Christian because when you have the world surrounding you, but also, you know, without Jesus um, in my life, I, I can't imagine how it would be, you know, as now that we know him, I know that in everything is, you know, him who is leading any trouble at all. We don't need to worry. I don't need to fear about what's happening tomorrow. Um, yeah, so it would be difficult. If I haven't got Jesus, with Jesus, I can go anywhere without fear. There was one individual that I'm quoting verbatim that living a life without Christ, it's like going up and down elevator. It's really a difficult, almost an impossible task. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you some questions that speaks to you know, difficulties and challenges at this particular moment. Was there ever a moment along your journey? And when I say along your journey, not limited to your spiritual journey, but life journey in essence, where you would say you experience maybe one of the biggest doubt, biggest doubt in terms of, you know, God, are you there? Or God, what is it that you want from me at this time? Oh, yes. I would say that the very difficult time is um, just a few years after I got married, uh, within two years, I suffered three miscarriages. 
And so I think that would be the hardest time for me um, in my spiritual journey because, you know, it's constantly um, you are trying to battle with the spirit and with the voices to tell you that, you know, you are not going to get this blessing for your womb and all sorts of things. So I began to, to question and, and pray to God, you know, what is it? And when do you not want me to be a mother? And so I think that that journey was tough for me. But having been through that, um, I think that's one verse that really encouraged me and, and stuck in my mind at that time is that my grace is sufficient for you. And, you know, I strengthen you to be perfect in your weakness. And also that, you know, God is so faithful. He will not let me go through things that I cannot bear. And a few years after that, when I actually came into contact with um, some, you know, uh, quite a few ladies, um, I don't know why, but God just led me to quite a few ladies like um, who were going through the similar, you know, situation. And I was able to encourage them with my experience. And so I thank God for that. Someone may listen to you talking about you're going through your challenge and you were able to see the hand of God guiding so much so that you could help others. The question is, how is it that you are able to see God, you know, amidst all this difficulty? Because we expect that when we are chosen of God, that things will work out in our favor. So how can you see God even amidst your own personal tragedy? Because I see that in the Bible, even when God promised, you know, um, Abraham promised Isaac or, you know, to, to have children. But especially in the case of Abraham, it took years and years. It's not that, you know, God's favor is not on them, but I think it's a faith-testing time. You see, it's very amazing that why Abraham is being promised as the father of all nations and that his wife is ironically in the eyes of the world as a barren woman. And so I could trust in God's promise. And even if he, you know, meant for me to be a childless woman, I Trust that, you know, because I had a lot of um, nieces and nephews, and I could also be a motherly role model for them. I could love somebody else's children, um, if not my own. Right. You're saying it's just trusting God in spite of. That's real faith. When you face your challenges, uh, I know you have answered um, enough, but what's your secret for overcoming difficulties? My secret of um, overcoming difficulties, I think, is knowing that God sees things different from how I see it. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways higher than our ways. And, you know, keep going back to Bible promises. So long as you're following someone who knows the beginning from the end. And I think that is where I can put my faith in, my trust. No matter where he is leading me, because I know that in the past, he has led me through difficult times and he will not choose to leave me or forsake me at this time. So every other, you know, future challenges or whatever that might to, to face me, rejection, you know, persecution, I know that because he took me through, you know, the tough times in the past and he will be with me even to the end. Yes, and that was the exact thing he said to Joshua. He said to Joshua, you know, Fear not, you know, be of good courage because I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, forsake you. Amen. then you can hold on to them 
and your faith can be anchored. Now, on a lighter side, you know, what do you think would surprise most persons about you? Um, when people see me, maybe they will be surprised first uh, to say that, oh, you have a 16-year-old son? You don't look it. <laughs> oh, and then the next thing you say, and yet, better still, you have a much younger son, seven-year-old. <laughs> and so, um, you know, given um, what I've told you from uh, my experience, God had granted me miracle children, you know, from the first one, after the three miscarriages, I had him just with no complication at all, just smooth. But with the um, second one, who was truly unexpected, because having gone through three miscarriages, you think that, you know, one child is more than I could ask for, right? And then, you know, nine years down the line, unexpectedly thought that, you know, you're way past the childbearing age. And then God bless us with another one. And the other thing maybe is, People think that, you know, why do I give up my, my career? Because I, I, I was trained to be a lawyer. And why do I give up for, for the family, for the children? So I think these are the things that might, you know, surprise people. Well, the, the first one you, you mentioned in ter- is when you said, you know, you have a 16-year-old and, you know, you look so young. Well, that one is a surprise to me. You, you did mention, you know, the miracle of having that uh, second child and, that is how God works, you know. We don't often see him as having a sense of humor, but sometimes the blessings places in our lives shows that he does have a sense of humor. Have you ever been given an assignment by God that you said, God, no, I can't manage this one, please? Oh, yes. I've done the Jonah, you know, Jonah role, whatever you call it, the Jonah runaway. <laughs> um, I think if... If there's one that I have to pinpoint, um, will be homeschooling, <laughs> because I thought that that was a very very tough challenge, and uh, I tried to run away from that. And so um, when I had my first child, I had friends around me that were homeschooling and encouraged me to to do homeschooling, but I was um, <laughs> too much of a coward. So I think God had His way of making us do what he wants us to do, even with Jonah's case. So I put my child in a mainstream school, a faith school. And um, come the third year he was in school, I think he went when he was in year three. Year three, and things, there were things that happened to him in school that was very unpleasant. He was bullied by a child and, you know, in the beginning. And then later on, things got worse and he was even punched by a child and that the school wasn't um, doing, you know, their part, not doing enough um, for what I, I felt as a parent and let the child off, um, not even with a word of apology. And I just thought, that's it. That was, you know, enough. So um, that's how God made me withdraw my child from mainstream school and um, kept him at home and homeschooled him. Right. Uh, it's funny, you know, getting that punch and, and being bullied. But what has that experience been like? Uh, you are the second person I know who, you know, homeschools full-time. What is that like? Is it like pulling your hair out? What is that experience like? I would say that, um, you know, first of all, this didn't last for too long. Okay, so he was year three and then I homeschooled him for about two years. And I did enjoy those two years. But that's when 
the little brother came along and I find it very, very hard to cope. And he was distracted. And so we had no choice but send him back to school again. But um, I would say that those two years, I really, um, I think was like a very pleasant time enjoying that child for who God made him to be. And um, also not being confined to the rules that the world set for you is one thing. He enjoyed making friends with people even not of his age. So enjoying other activities at our own leisure, learning at our own pace. Because in those days, back then, um, there were not many um, support or uh, very organized materials or syllabus that you can follow, particularly not from our church at, at that time. But I did enjoy those times with him because there's true bonding time between parent and, and child. All right. I, I have to say thanks for that because when many persons think about homeschooling, they think about pulling their hair out, you know, having things upside down, topsy-turvy. But you are saying it was a good bonding pillar. And listeners, in case you are contemplating what homeschooling can be like, you just heard it from Pin that it was a good period. She did say there were challenges, but it was a good bonding period. All right. Thank you. On to a little bit of a more, you know, say serious note. There are individuals who struggle with their faith. Well, we all do, but so much so that they end up walking away from the faith, you know. What do you think is causing or has caused so many persons to walk away from the faith? And after you answer that question, I will follow up to say, you know, what could be a solution to fixing that situation? So first, you know, what is it that caused so many persons to just throw in the towel and give up on their faith? Wow, that is truly quite a difficult question because... um... I can't really speak for other people, but from what I see that could have been the problem is that people don't spend enough time um, with God. And when you don't get recharged and the more time we spend doing the worldly stuff and you get sucked in by the world. And so when trouble comes, you find that that connection with God is not there and that you get pulled in by what the world is expecting you to do rather than, you know, being strongly anchored in God um, to say that, you know, whatever storm that comes your way, God is my anchor. I can hold on to that and will stand firm. So I think maybe that's one problem that people get too busy with their lives and not spending with God. Okay, so your solution would be? In yeah, I think the, the solution really is, you know, spend more time praying and studying the Bible and also not forgetting to count our blessings even when you have nothing to ask God in your prayer, there is no request, but you know, you can always thank God. Find something to thank God. Even waking up in the morning, that is also be thankful that God has given us another day. Small little things in life, you never run out of things to thank God for. There's a song or maybe like a chorus that I used to sing growing up in Jamaica. It was Count Your Blessings, you know, name oh, yes. one. Name them one by one. When I read the Bible, and nowadays, you know, I am enjoying it even so more to read. But when I read the Bible and I reflect on the story of Joseph, it often brings tears to my eyes. And the reason, because there are aspects of his story that I would say is synonymous with my own personal journey. Now, is there a character, Bible character, that when you look at your life, you would say there are things that parallel your life? I can't really pinpoint a particular one, but I would say that 
perhaps in different phase of my life, maybe you can relate to different Bible character at the time. So yes, of course, um, Joseph definitely is one of them that I can relate to because he had to leave his um, own country and be in another, another country far away from his family. And um, for me, yes, many years ago when I did that, you know, even though after I finished my um, studies, I could have gone back home, but I chose to, to stay in this country because I know that at that time, God said to me that, you know, if you stay on because you are the first Christian in your family or even the first Adventist in your family, there's going to be a lot of conflict coming up with family. So it's better for me to, to leave and to be able to, um, you know, establish my faith away from my family before I go back to my family and share the gospel with them and share them, you know, my experience and my journey with them. Right. And the last question that I will throw to you today, you know, if you could give God thanks for one person, you know, who would that person be and why? I will thank the person who gave me that first Voice of Prophecy studies lesson because that's how, you know, God has put him in his heart to obviously give it to me. And, um, you know, that's how I came to the Adventist truth. Yes, of course, I struggle when, you know, you come to learn about the Sabbath truth, but that is also a separate um, incident, how God has shown me in a way, you know, that is so clear that the Adventist church is where I belong and where I need to go. That's the true church. Do I have time to share with you? How? <laughs> yes. Yeah, because I, you know, that was the time when I prayed to God because I was struggling. I went back home for um, my legal training to be a barrister. That time I told God, God, you know, I really need you to point me to a church. If I'm going to spend nine months to a year here, you need to show me which church I should go to. You know, is it a Sunday church or is it the, you know, where's the Adventist church that I could go to? And lo and behold, I was, you know, driving along, going back to my parents' house one day. And um, for some reason, I was stuck in a traffic jam. That road was never busy, really. I was just like maybe a few hundred yards away from my parents' home. And then I was stopped right there. And then I was looking left and right. And there, right before my eyes, it says Seven Day Adventist Church. And I was like, God, you must be kidding me. How is this church here? All these years, I never knew. And it was just five minutes walk from my parents' home. How amazing is that? So and perhaps I will tell you that the person who gave me that, that Bible study lesson later became my husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. You know, I, I thought of asking this person about, have you ever had an encounter with God? that had you cracking up with laughter, but without asking, you know, you have provided that answer. So amazing. The life saves sometimes, you know, and become art. Life is really full of ups and downs and, you know, miss some trials and, you know, maybe the enemies throw some darts at you. That I can still see that God wants to bless me and he is there. I tell you this, that... Um, last year during lockdown, um, for no reason, I did not know when I, all of a sudden I started to receive some letters 
and notices of demand from some bailiffs to claim some um, unpaid debts relating to parking offences. And those debts that we're talking about is just accumulative that was so high. And when I called up those bailiffs and, you know, there were people who just want to take money out of me, not willing to hear my, my reason whatsoever, because I found out that what happened is that the car who um, committed those parking offences were actually a clone car. Somebody else cloned my car registration number and been driving down into London, parking, you know, without paying or right into the congestion zone and without paying the charges. And I did not know about it until the bailiffs were at the door. So I said, God, I said, God, give me somebody to, to be able to help me out of this situation. And true enough, you know, God is so faithful. He guided me to um, a lawyer because I'm no longer practicing. This lawyer is actually um, a parent from some years ago when my son went to the same tutor with this boy. And it's a parent from there. And he was also a fellow Malaysian. And why do I say that God had me cracked up laughing? Because when he first sent me um, the letter of instruction, which I supposed to sign and say that I confirm I, you know, I engage him to, to act for me in this case, <laughs> I said to God, I said, God, I had no doubt that you were sending this man to help me. But the way that he, you know, I see so many even basic grammar mistakes in that letter. I just have to crack up laughing because I said, God, are you serious? I could have write a better letter. <laughs> I mean, you know, but I say, I know it is your doing because you want to tell me that when you deliver me out of this ordeal, it will be all glory to your name. It's not because of what this lawyer can do or cannot do, but it is all because of you, because his promise is very sure. He says to me that you will not need to fight this battle. In Second Chronicles 20 verse 17, position yourselves, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. I really put my trust in God, even though this is still an ongoing battle, but I know that at the end, when deliverance come, that will be all glory to his name. I'll quote Hebrews 11 verse 1 for you. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. My guest today is Pin Yo, the co-founder of the people of Shenzhou, a mission to reach Mandarin-speaking folk in the UK with the three angels' message. Now, Pin, just before we go, do you have any parting words for our listeners? Um, can I say that um, if any of your listeners are interested to know more about our group and um, to join our Zoom meeting even, um, you, know, you can email to us um, for the Zoom detail. You can find us at voiceofsoulsharing.com. Also, you can find our weekly um, Zoom invitation on Facebook at the um, Chinese Seventh-day Adventist Facebook page. So it's Voice of Soul Sharing, V-O-I-C-E-O-F-S-O-U-L-S-H-A-R-I-N-G at ProtonMail, P-R-O-E-O-N, mail, one word, dot com. Right, thank you. You have been in tune to Upward Way. Do join us again next week 
when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. You can subscribe to weekly episodes on Apple, Spotify, Listen Notes, or you can just go to the App Store and download the AWR app. Until then, I'm Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way Podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world. Thank you.